bonjour, bonjour, hello, hello everybody, how are we today? So Leslie, have we had a good day today or has it been crazy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know it's always a little crazy in the land of Leslie, but <laughs> it's really great to see you, everybody here on the podcast. I see Lori and I see Lorraine has joined us. I'm very excited about that, and um, it actually has been a very good day, um, just a very busy, um, and we all are busy. Mm-hmm, yeah, you are, but it's, uh, it's, been, it's been an interesting uh, couple days. I got to see, I got to see Leslie on, on Saturday, actually, and uh, posted a picture. We went, were out in Lancaster. And the this little place called the Rabbit and the Dragonfly, and we started hysterical laughing because when I got in there, they had all these things from the Bird and the Baby. Which... It was an incredible place. I mean, I just you have to look at the picture if you haven't seen it. Go look at the at Pam's tweet. It's <laughs> it's tremendous. I, I you know and, and uh, it just it just I, I you know like it's the eagle and child where are we are we in Oxford? <laughs> well, it was an homage to uh, all things, um, all things from the the bird and the baby, That's so true. to speak. That's true. Um, it was a really cool place, and I looked at Pam and I said, "This could be a place that SR." made you know everywhere he looked it was like sr land you know really, it reminded yeah. us of scenes from um the gabriel series definitely. definitely you could imagine the professor being there you can imagine Catherine picton being in there <laughs> um and there were nods to all these great authors and there were shelves lined with mm -hmm. books and they even had a resale uh book area um, highly recommend it if you want to go over there. Their coffee was quite good too, and they had sandwiches and um, all kinds of programming. Really, really great. It's it's a little a little nook that we just really stumbled upon, and uh, it was it was great fun. It was great to see you, Pam, because I haven't seen you in a while. I know face I to think, face. I think it's been since before Christmas we actually saw each other face. It's ridiculous. How can that be? It's April. and I know. I know. I know. It happens. But it, it does. It does. It, that was the treat that was really fun. It was fun. And, and I got to meet Leslie's nice friend, Suzanne, who went to college with Leslie. And uh, it was good. It was good. <laughs> yes. Suzanne had a great time. She was really happy to meet. She's always heard about Pam, so she was very happy to meet. Pam in person. The infamous. <laughs> the infamous Pam. If she she doesn't even know half of the stuff, Pam. But she does know that we we do travel and and uh, go visit our uh, make friends. our trips, our author <laughs> our, our author trips <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to to go see Salem's Grove and to get. Yeah, we still, have to, we still have to do Toronto yet. So I know, Toronto's going to be epic. And Suzanne's also one of my friends that I do my 50 before 50 with. Uh, uh -huh. Suzanne and I uh, have gone on several exploratory adventures to various states um, in my quest to see 50 states before I turn 50. Uh -huh. So, yes, Laura, you definitely need to go back and look at the pictures. And I've been a little 
uh, tied up and have not been posting very much this week, but I, I will try and send some other pictures out, um, on Twitter as well, just because this place was really cool. It was cool. And we did have a lot of fun. And it's so good to see. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. There was a little cubby to Narnia. We were on our way. We Mm -hmm. honestly, Pam, I kind of wish we would have gone there. (laughs) (laughs) With what I've been dealing with this week. Just a lot, a lot of work. And I'm very happy to see not only are we joined by Lori and Lorraine, but Karen is on as well as Tiara. And uh, it's it's great because we have two chapters to cover. And we're ready to dig we're in. Ready Pam's to gonna. Oh, definitely. Pam, I know you have some announcements. I do. I do. Um, just uh, Gabriel's podcast, which was postponed last weekend, is now set up for this weekend, the 29th at 5, the, uh, part one of chapter three of Gabriel's Redemption. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah, I, I can't wait either. That's such a great chapter. It is. I have to remember <laughs> what quote I sent over and see if I can find another one. <laughs> um, Trilogia de Gabriel is uh, Saturdays at 3 o'clock Mexico time. They're still doing El Excesis de Gabriel. Anoites Influencia is doing El Judgmento de Gabriel. And, uh, they're at 3 o'clock on New York, New York time. And... Uh, as far as writing Gabriel for novella and hopefully we'll hear something soon because there's you know there's announcements going to be coming and he's going to be sending them through the uh, his website uh, his newsletter and um, never know when he'll pop up he'll also be putting it on SR's Fox stand on Facebook I cannot uh, wait I can't wait either I can't wait either and he has, he did before he w- uh, went deep diving into the cave, the Spelunker. Um, he had some <laughs> great news for the international readers of both the Man in the Black Suit and the Florentine series. And sorry, he says more than one language group is going to be happy. So keep a lookout for his announcement on that. And uh, that's basically it for what we have for announcements this week. I know that Noches Influencia put up a post yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, of their last podcast. Because um, they fin- they finished everything they could in Spanish. So, uh, hopefully... And wasn't it, was it an anniversary of... I believe it was their was, anniversary as well. I think it was an anniversary of, uh, of the podcast, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. But yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's posted out there. It had... It, 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 been recorded previously so I know that MJ had put it out there so if anybody wants to go listen to it uh, just look for her post so that's all the announcements I have well I guess it's time to dig into chapter 10 things were getting very intense as you remember when we were looking uh, last at Acacia and she was very stressed out because she had already kind of crossed the Rubicon, so to speak. She had called on a hunch, asked Luke about this painting that she saw in the hotel and all the entire BRB practically was upon the hotel. Um, and it really disrupted her attempt to stay under the radar. So, as we start Chapter 10, Luke pulls up and parks right in front of the hotel. 
Um, and like most hotels, employees are not permitted to park in front or even permitted to park to walk in through the front door. I don't know how it was where you worked. Um, I know you worked in a couple of hotels, Pam, but yeah, that, I know the prop. The I know I know the property where I worked. There was an employee entrance, and we had to use it. Exactly. Um, it was very much frowned upon if you're walking in through the front door. And since I was in a summer resort, if you had a, a, a holiday, Fourth of July, Memorial Day, Labor Day, you weren't even allowed to park in where you normally parked as an employee. You had to park uh, out in the street someplace. Well, that makes sense. So, pe- so the guests had room. I, I yeah. understand. I, I don't have a problem with that. Like I understand it. It is all about hospitality, but. Right. Sometimes the front door, back door thing kind of bothered me a little bit because I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I understand, but it really, you know, it, is it really necessary for employees to be having to walk around the building to go into this one certain door? Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, it kind of makes you feel like you're a second class citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, Luke brought Acacia to the hotel to work after her night with the BRB and Celine as as they walk in she's looking down her nose at Acacia and telling her that she doesn't have to change she just needs to go see Monsieur Roy immediately which is always you know not mm-hmm. not a happy experience especially because he called her in a half an hour early um, Luke did not appreciate Celine's attitude and says are, and you are? <laughs> he starts to interrogate her all the while as Acacia is smiling until the elevator door opens because he's already flashed the badge and, you know, he's kind of uh, exerting his power and influence mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. So at that moment, Monsieur Breckman exits the elevator with his security detail. And then... Dun, 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 right? <laughs> and he's once again in a very expensive black suit paired with a white shirt and black silk tie. And, you know, Luke positions himself between Breckman and Acacia, and his eyes meet Luke's, but he sees out Acacia's eyes. A man next to him is continuing to talk while Pierre is staring straight at Acacia. And he glances around at Luke and then gave her a, an unhappy look. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Breckman was really laser focused on Akasi in this point. Yeah, he and was. I, I, I thought that was really interesting. And I, I feel like, again, it's kind of that tension, um, having that, that pull between them anyway. You know, there's always been something between them. There's some kind of a connection, some kind of intensity. Yeah, there's something going on there. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm seeing in the chat room, KK said, yes, in terms of where she had worked in the past. Everyone always had to go through the kitchen at Oakmont Country Club. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what we had to do um, at the property where I worked as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Acacia received a very unhappy look from <laughs> from Breckman. Um, and he didn't look triumphant or arrogant. That was the other thing I thought was interesting. He seemed worried. Yeah. And then, yeah. I you know, that. 
I thought that was interesting. I thought that was very interesting. So as Akasi is bracing herself to go into Monsieur Roy's office, um, Luke decided to follow the entourage outside of the hotel. And she decided to go face the music, knocking on the manager's door. And she knows what she has to expect is not going to be good. So the manager tells her to come in. And rather than offer a seat, he just goes straight into it. He wasn't um, very nice. He was, he's very rude. Yes. He's very, very rude. Um, he's not a good manager, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, very poor interpersonal skills. with Not treating people with respect at all. So he sat back on his chair and said, so... You know, I spent last night on the telephone having to explain to his superiors why the hotel was overrun with BRB. And Acacia apologizes. She, you know, she's trying to bridge bridge the divide. Mm-hmm. And she, she takes full responsibility. She knows he's ups, upset. And she said, I, I understand that this is upsetting. Mm-hmm. And he goes, are you familiar with the employee handbook? Yeah, and of course, yes. Right. And of course, she she's familiar with it. But he goes on to kind of uh, grill her and reprimand her that he did not think she knew because the handbook required her to tell him of any alleged illegal activity. And, you know, she told him that she told the night manager mm-hmm. and he reiterated that he was not Monsieur Roy and that she had called the BRB. And that guests were panicked and upset, and she may well have engaged an anti-terrorist squad for the amount of panic that it cost. Now, I disagree. You know, I can only imagine if she wouldn't have told the night manager and had called Mr. Roy how he would have responded to that phone call in the middle of the night. I mean, think about it. He would have come back after anyway. Either way, he he has it out for her. her. I do, too. I do, too. So, because she was sorry and she offered to apologize to all the guests, and then she explained to Luke that Luke was a friend and she'd called the friend because you know I saw this painting, I wasn't sure, I wanted to call someone and just sort of talk it out. But of course, Luke being Luke and being on the BRB, he calls everybody in the world. (laughs) And uh, but he had recognized it, and and it was they were actually hoping that they could recover, uh, recover the painting. Uh, Mr. Roy uh, tells her that they did not, did they get the painting? And she's, and you know, so she's got a, she's kind of ignored it and it caused an extreme amount of embarrassment to a highly valued guest as well as the other guests that are, the company that owns the hotel and it's of himself. Now, you know, I know the hotel I worked in, the, the company was in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, and we were in South Jersey. So that was an interesting, uh, dichotomies, ah. you know, uh, mm-hmm. if something really major had, had had gone on and we had a couple of major, th- not major, but one major thing happened where, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of the Philly Fanatic. I am. The Philly Fanatic was <laughs> a, um, is the mascot for the uh, baseball team, Phillies, the Philadelphia Phillies. And mm-hmm. one of the guys that owned, that was in the management of the parent company, he knew um, the Philly Fanatics, so every weekend when the Phillies were out of town, 
he would come to the come to the hotel and entertain the guests and he was entertaining one guest enough where they she fell into the the pool and decided that she was suing the hotel and the Philly fanatic and whomever else so that was an interesting uh, interesting time there having to give uh, statements to everybody to lawyers and what have you so and it was such a stupid thing anyway but <laughs> no really it was I mean you know you kept it's happy hour on a Saturday right. afternoon at the beach right at the pool right whatever right anyhow i agree i i do agree with you on that yeah because she was probably half in the bag anyway excuse me (laughs) so uh, mr roy reminds her that it was not the first time that he had spoken to her uh about, about her insubordinance or or about her attitude and uh so what he decided he was going to do is he was going to give uh he was taking her off the day shift and putting her on nights. Now that's kind of upset her because she kind of feels like she's being demoted. And mm-hmm. he says, you're not being demoted. You're still a concierge. And uh, he told her that he, she was going to be uh, put, paid for the day. And that her shift would start the next, the next night. Um, he also warned her that it, all this would be coming in writing. So he was backing himself up, I guess. But, exactly. But... Um, if there was any other infraction, she would be let go. But he also suggested that maybe she start looking for another job, since her visa was tied to her employment, and so she, so in order to be able to stay in Paris, she had to be working. Um, and uh, you know, if she's not working, then the permit or the visa could be pulled. Uh, Which and, is pretty much a threat. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. A little bit of a one, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, she, she's, you know, she's like, well, how can you do this to me? I, you know, I, I was doing my civic duty. I called the police. I did what, you know, what any person would do. And he said that it was because she was not following procedure. So, yeah, I really think that if, if she had called Monsieur, Monsieur Roy, he really would have uh, really gone I think he- yeah. I think he would have gone out of his mind. And and we have a lot of comments right now in the chat room about mm-hmm. how this is being handled. Lorraine agreed that he had it out for her. Mm-hmm. Karen also said, I agree her manager has been gunning for her for a while. And Lorraine said she thinks that Acacia had handled it well. Um, she tried to care of, take care of the situation in the most discreet way possible. Mm-hmm. Lorraine, I completely agree with you. And that's completely a Appropriate. You really need to go to the manager on duty. That is protocol. Yeah. Uh, and the manager on duty then has the responsibility, if it's serious enough, to call the manager. So really, he should be reaming out the night manager, not Acacia, in my opinion. Well, I, I, I really don't think he likes Acacia, for the, not just because of what she may or may not be doing at work, but I think because she has a, a work permit as opposed to... Uh, being a citizen of France, I think Agreed. that was a part of it too, and uh, which is which is really sad because you, you there are there are immigrants all over the world now. I mean, it, it's we all have the right to be able to do, you know, to mm-hmm. work as we you know we want, as long as we're doing our job properly. And whether you're here or in Paris or Ireland, right. Or, or wherever I mean I think hard work should be rewarded exactly and following the rules 
I, I can understand him trying to keep rules in place, but it doesn't appear to me that she was circumventing the rules at all. No. Um, no. And yeah, Lorraine, I laughed uh, when I saw that because I was literally thinking that as we were, as it was going over, you know, as we were discussing it about the, the writing up and having a paper trail. Mm. As, as Lorraine says, the proverbial paper trail, also known as cover your ass. Exactly. I was totally thinking of that CYA, as we used to say, mm-hmm. when I worked in state government. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and says, Karen also said there seemed to be all threats to, to her. Yeah. Listen, the, yeah. The cover, I, I, can, I have been in the, the mode of having to write to cover my ass because of something that had happened where I worked one time. And oh, yeah. It could have gotten me fired, but... Thank God I had it all written out so that the person who actually created the problem and blamed me got, got in a little bit of trouble. So, anyhow. But, yeah. He had it out. Mm-hmm. Big time. He did. He did. So, that, so then what happened, Pam? <laughs> so then we go into Chapter 11. I know. And Acacia was so rattled by her conversation um, that she really um, decided to spend the day uh, with Luke going around Notre Dame, something that they had done quite a bit uh, back in the day when they were dating and when they were a couple. Mm -hmm. And then to Heloise and Abelard's and lunch in the Latin Quarter. And they really just spent some time i think for her walking the streets of paris was such a um way to de-stress a way to kind of escape for a little while and escape in the beauty of of the city um so after their jaunt uh, he drove her home and asked if he could stay and you know he's you know how I feel about Luke, as you guys oh, all yes, know. I have yes. a little, little Luke crush here, <laughs> and I just thought this was very sweet. You know, I can stay. He offered. The light in his eyes shone unconcealed hope. Beautifully written, Sr. Mm. I love that phrase, unconcealed hope. And uh, she's like, no, 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 I'm fine. <laughs> and then, ah, oh, doesn't this tear you apart, you guys? Slowly, oh so slowly, he leaned forward. You're my biggest regret. Oh, does that I, just take you away? It does oh. that. That tore my heart out. That tore it, my it, heart out. I know. I felt so bad for, for both of them, actually. I I did, too. I really did. I felt there. And I'm. you joined us, uh, our friends from Aussie, Australia. Good morning. I see KS is here, and I think, I thought I saw, did I see Kez? I thought I I saw Kez. She may have come in and gone out again. She may have. Hi, KS. Greetings from Melbourne, or Melbourne, right? No, no Orn. I know I say (laughs) it wrong. Terrible American accent, but good morning. Um, We're just talking about this beautiful chapter 11. You're my biggest regret. Ah. I love it. I know. It. I know. 
and then really she, tore she, me apart. It, it tore me apart too. This really did. This really, really did. Um, it just, uh, after that, she, she said, why would you regret me? And he said, I regret that I didn't fight for us. Ah, oh, another, like, it just pulls me. It just tears at me. Lori, I know Lori goes, oh, I, it's just, this is just beautiful. She didn't want to have that conversation, though, right? She, she already felt raw from the day's event. She was really stressed out. Um, her job was in jeopardy because she called him. And she had hoped that she would be able to get back into uh, her boss's good graces again. And, you know, he just was, it just, it just pulled, this whole thing pulled. And he's like, please call me. And she, you know, she said she would. Um, and he walked to the car, climbed in, and then drove out of sight. And Off just... Down the rude Sejac. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. As she went to the door, a lone tear fell from her eye. She did what she needed to do, and she wasn't going to go back. Uh, she pulled out her key and opened the door, and then going through her mind was all of the day's events. Her mind was racing. Just because she called Luke, with one stroke, she almost lost her job. And she really hoped that she would be able to um, get on the boss's good side. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I did not expect anything less from Luke. When he heard about how she was treated at that meeting, um, yeah, he, he wanted was, to he go. Was, he was, he was hot. Like he was very angry. He wanted to go confront him. Um, but she, again, trying to keep the lower profile, trying to keep things calm. Um, she persuaded Luke not to. And also to her credit, she wanted to fight her own battles as well as she wanted mm -hmm. to be able to have a good reference for future jobs. True. Hi, Monica. Monica hey, Monica. Stumped by. Great to see you. But, uh, you know, I, I felt, you know, he, he just having to, to, he was really angry with, with Mr. Roy. Oh, I'm sure. And, and you know, I mean, I, you know, and I'm sure that Luke has seen a lot of issues with immigrants in France because there are a few, a lot of incidences, unfortunately. But um, uh, so I'm sure he he wanted to go back and say, look, you really can't do this to her. But mm -hmm. Anyhow, so as she uh, as she's entranced in thought and she's not really paying attention to anything except what was, her, what was going on in her mind. And so suddenly she hears a, a uh, voice, Mademoiselle. <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of scared her so she's grabbing the railing I think I would if I'm not paying attention I would have uh, done that too but uh, he says careful you'll fall and Acacia is like well don't come near me stop it just don't come near me and, and I'm like, sure she was terrified oh yeah terrified I mean, she really doesn't know what's going on and, and with, with him and what's 
Mm-hmm. And now he shows up, and he's got a bodyguard to boot. Right. So he says, she's a, she's, the man had stopped, and he's like, there, there's no reason to be alarmed. And, um, you know, she sent he sent the bodyguard away. And uh, she said, leave or I'll call the police. <laughs> and, she, and she says, the BRB's right outside. And uh, he was like, you know, really, I don't know, you know very he's you know very very resourceful rick is because she didn't know how he got in there and mm-hmm. uh he says i i i'd hope to speak with you at the hotel and when i checked out they told me that you had gone home yeah okay sure mm-hmm. he, come out, he actually shows up at that yeah i'm sure he did <laughs> i'm sure he did so he um you know she he says she want a case. Cassie is like, well, what? What? Why? Did you want me to get fired? And, and and no, but he had wanted to talk to her. So Cassie, however, really didn't want to talk to him and wondered why he was there. So he exactly yeah you know he says you know he he comes back to her and he's he he's saying that um she's getting her cell phone ready uh that he that he'd wanted to apologize and he wasn't. He, he wasn't arrested because she'd asked if he'd been arrested. He's not been arrested. I was merely questioned. <laughs> that reminds me. Do you, you ever see the Monty Python movie, The Knights of Knee? No, I have not seen that one. Oh, my God. With, with the, with the, the, <laughs> he's trying to cross. No one shall pass. And they, they, you know, they, they have the sword, sword fight. And the leg goes and an arm goes. And finally, all his limbs are gone. And, and, and he's still... I haven't begun to fight yet. <laughs> no one shall pass. <laughs> anyway, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. So, That's funny. Um, so um, after that, she said, "Well, what, what do, don't you? What do you want to know?" And he said, "Well, we had a misunderstanding, and uh, that she was there. That she had been. Uh, he wanted to straighten it out, and and she told him that Mr. Roy." was going to fire her that she thought was threatening to fire her and he said well I wanted to defend you right and uh, he said uh, he said I should have told you the painting was a reproduction right from this basically right from the start Mm -hmm. she did what she what any decent person would do when she thought she saw stolen art she called called the officials exactly Mm -hmm the Mounties to come rescue no <laughs> <laughs> wrong country wrong country as yes, well but yeah uh, you know I think I think it's really you know I'm sure she was shocked and probably didn't believe him mm-hmm. <laughs> KK a re- made a reference to your reference saying it's, it's only, only a flesh, a flesh wound. wound that's exactly right <laughs> I, love that I remember hearing about that scene I, I just never saw movie. it <laughs> But you know, um, I I think I think Nicola or Breckman, um, you know, the fact that he was like, "Look, I defended you. Um, I I I wanted to talk to you about this because this was not my intention." You know, I just, mm-hmm. I, you know, if, if you take him at his word, that's really a, a great thing that he did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you just don't know what to believe. Right, right. And yeah, you know, she's kind of on the the, you know, the 
the boundary right there. You're not really believing. So, but he told her that um, he, he she she says I want you to leave, and he says, well, I am leaving Paris, but before I go, she wanted to encourage her to fight her employer and what was going on. She's concierge is supposed to report illegal activity, except for Marcel, uh, to the <laughs> authorities, and and the manager knew that. And she said, but I embarrassed him, and I embarrassed the company that I that owns the hotel. And uh, so that made it a little bit harder. And uh, uh, Pierre Breckman says they'd be more happy if someone alerted the press to their hiring practices. You know, I, I, as I really got into the, um, the thing of, uh, you know, uh, of the immigration and uh, the injustices that were happening to some of those people. Right, some, some right. Of those people that are going Absolutely. With this. And I think that's kind of what uh, Pierre Breckman is saying about, you know, if, you know, if, he had, if they had heard about the corporation that owned the hotel had heard about the hiring practices, or if that was leaked to the press, considering that there's no one in the um, hotel that was uh, of a higher higher rank than bartender aside from Acacia that was uh, a non was was an immigrant and uh, he said she said uh, you know Acacia's like well why would you, would anyone speak to the press about that and one so and and this I really got into today because uh, SR had had uh, quoted Martin Luther King from his um, letter from Birmingham jail. Injustice mm-hmm. anywhere is a threat to injustice everywhere, and so I, I did a little look looking on that um, on on that particular letter. It was, right, and leave it to leave it to Breckman to quote Martin Luther King. Yeah, right. I just I thought that was very very smart. Yeah, the letter was written on April sixteenth, nineteen sixty three. Um, there were eight white clergymen who had written in uh, like an op-ed in the newspaper to directed to Dr. King uh, criticizing him and the way he was uh, the, the fact that he had come from Atlanta into Alabama to for the civil rights marches and, and sit-ins um, so he was defending his his nonviolent actions of sit-ins and what have you uh, as part part of the American Civil Rights Movements, this letter actually happened to be a hallmark that was used repeatedly, repeatedly throughout the civil rights process. So, which was really interesting. In the letter, Dr. King points out that it's a moral responsibility to uh, break unjust laws, and that's why he was in Alabama for the Birmingham campaign. Um, and it was to uh, the, the, that campaign consisted of marches and sit-ins against racism and racial segregation. Uh, he received a newspaper, I think it was in, uh, around April 10th of 1963 with the letter and about an injunction that had been placed on the citizens of Birmingham against parading, demonstrating, boycotting, trespassing, and picketing. Um, and that was one of the injustices that he was, was going up against. Um, the newspaper that had the letter in it um, is where Dr. King actually wrote the letter 
in the margins of the newspaper and bits and pieces of it were sent out to um, a pastor, Wyatt T. Walker, who put it together uh, and then it was given to Harvey Shapiro of the New York Times for publication. Uh, a lot of other publications printed it up without the without the okay, but it was mm-hmm. still, it was still done. But it's uh, taught now in almost any um, any college course that you're looking at uh, that period of time in our history. You know, it's one of the things that's actually taught. So that yes. is that. You know, that, I think it was interesting that uh, he brought Dr. King into it. I think so too, and I, I mentioned uh, to you, Pam, before the start of the podcast, and I won't go d- deep into this because I know we have a lot more to cover on the chapter. But I had the uh, really immense uh, honor of visiting. Uh, I wasn't in Birmingham, but when I was visiting Alabama, we stopped in Montgomery, or as they say, Montgomery. It's actually three syllables the way they pronounce it in uh, the state of Alabama. Um, we add, we add one up here in the North, but, um, I actually, uh, took a tour of the house, the parsonage where Dr. King and his wife lived, uh, when they first started, uh, their, uh, their lives together. Mm-hmm. And it was just a fascinating, a lot of his major decisions were made at this parsonage in Montgomery. And, uh, the tour guide, the day we were there, was this lovely lady named Miss Marguerite, who we learned was actually a parishioner and friend of the King's. She remembered the house that we toured as being a place where she would go um, on a weekly basis for for um, for tea, for dinner, for um, afternoon uh, discussions and prayer group. Uh, so it's. If you ever have a chance to go, um, it's really remarkable. Um, and the, 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 final, the final stop on the tour just gave me chills because uh, Miss Marguerite actually played Dr. King recounting and recalling a, cha- a time where he was, he was struggling with a decision whether to persevere or not. Mm-hmm. And he referenced sitting at his kitchen table, drinking his coffee, and you are standing in the kitchen Where looking at the table at the coffee cup that he was using. I mean, it was, it's just incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, so just a really great, um, a great tribute and a great reminder of, of the, the, the struggle and the, uh, the importance of treating everyone with respect and and really trying to follow justice. And I think that this quote, um, and by SR weaving this in, just as another good reminder of of treating everyone uh, with dignity and especially kindness. kindness is never wasted as we know. Um, so after, as, as they continued their discussion, um, Breckman said he had agreed our he had really hoped that they'd be able to speak at the hotel, but because she was sent home, um, he, you know, he knew he had to try and see her at her home. And she opened the trench coat and handed her an envelope. And, you know, she kind of looked at it and questioned it. And 
um, she she was told that it was her gratuity. And she was very clear to Breckman that she did not want it. Um, and he said, but you could use this to get a lawyer and fight if the intent of Monsieur Roy was to fire her. Or she could just quit and use the gratuity as uh, funds to cover her until she found something else. And, uh, you know, Cassia protested because concierge jobs were very difficult to get. There weren't many jobs to be had as a concierge in Paris. It's very limited number of opportunities. Um, and then she said it's e even harder as an immigrant trying to get the job. Um, but he really, I mean, Breckman was really, really um, strong mm -hmm. that he, she deserved it and she earned it. And, uh, you know, as they, as they went on, you know, she, you can tell it's kind of like the, the battle of the wills, right? Right. Um, <laughs> he was insisting, she started to go up the stairs with her phone in hand. Um, and he's saying he was simply just rewarding her the way he would have if she had been Marcel, you know, and she, and I love this too. He said, stop being stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> How many of us have gotten that comment before? Uh, um, never. I, I never. refuse to accept that comment from anybody. <laughs> never. <laughs> and, you know, she really, you know, she, she was pretty adamant about asking him to stop following her. Uh, she was starting to call, um, dial the phone, and then he said, now Karen's laughing at that. <laughs> Karen, I'm sure you probably have been in the same boat maybe once or twice. <laughs> um, never, never. <laughs> he, he, you know, and, and then he was like, well, who are you calling? And there was a hint of jealousy in the way he asked the question. Was it her boyfriend from the brb yeah that his was tone, really that his really. tone dripped with disdain i love that i love that phrase too monica said she would climb the walls yes <laughs> and yes. uh you know he asked her to, she ignored him and he's like no please wait um and then you know then he really got serious he said look you're in danger um the Paris police still haven't discovered who attacked Marcel. Um, you might be you might be in danger because you simply were Marcel's replacement. So that adds another level of intensity and and yeah, fear how do you know, factor. How do you know that? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, and and as, you know, Karen agrees absolutely. Like this is not you know it, it almost seems like Akasi goes from having a bad day to a worse day, right? Yes. So I know what that's she like. She said, sometimes. you know, Akasi's like, look, I don't know anything about what Marcel did. I don't know about his activities. The only suspicious guest I'd have had to deal with is you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Breckman retorted that if he had wanted to hurt her, he would have not warned her in advance. Um, and then she's like, no, you just accost me at my apartment and issue threats. <laughs> And which I kind of laughed at. I kind of laughed like, at that too. I could see, I could see a big smile on her face as she's saying that. Mm -hmm. Possibly. Oh yeah, yeah. And Monica says, "Yes, yeah, stubborn," or telling me to calm down when I'm calm 
<laughs> it's a challenge. Have you met yeah. my son lately? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. Oh. Um, so, you know, he's, he's like, look. He placed the envelope on one of the steps. And he, he was a little righteous in this. He said, I'm a lot of things, mademoiselle, but I'm not without honor. And he was certainly not a thug or a thief. He did not mean to, for her to be demoted. And he, you know, he, I, in this, he was genuine. He's like, the money is yours. Mm-hmm. I, and I appreciated that. He was, I think, and for the, and that, when I was reading this, I was thinking, I think he's really sincere. I don't think he's playing around because yeah, you know, he could have attacked her. He could have well, had someone take her out, so. especially he has all the security. He could have had someone take, you know, mm-hmm. uh, go after her if he wanted. And he didn't. So I thought this was really cool because I thought they were sincere. Well, I think the whole um, thing up to this point is a test. Yeah. I, I really yes. believe that. You know, <laughs> the suit, the, the relic. I think he purposely yep. had the painting out on the desk. Or the I think he wanted to see, if, if you know, if she was, um, if, if she was honest um, or if she would succumb to, you know, doing things that were not above board. Well, yeah, and, and, Ma- I mean, and, and Karen says she thought that too. Uh, Monica said maybe as well. Well, I think, I think, yeah, I think it was, uh, two or three chapters ago when, when, uh, he was, I think he was talking to Rick about, you know, well, let, let's see if, she, or maybe he was just talking to himself. He wanted to see if, if he, she was like Marcel. Right. Right. So I, and I, really, I, I, yeah. I agree. And Lorraine said she thinks it was a test too. Mm-hmm. Karen says yes, trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think you know. And then you know they continue on. Um, I, I just think it's interesting. This. Well, I was thinking about this too. If she was at the hotel at the end, I, I was curious to see if she would have reacted differently to the gratuity if she was given it at the hotel mm-hmm. versus at home. And I, I feel like she would be still responding the same way because of this, you know, this, the fact that this painting episode happened and the mm-hmm. fact that she felt he was shady and she didn't trust him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, do you feel that way, Pam? Is, I, I, well, I feel, yeah, I don't think she, she has no trust in him still. Yeah. And... You know whether whether she would have taken it if if all of it hadn't gone down the way it did, and she wasn't being blamed for anything by the management. I think it's possible she may have taken it. I think it's possible. Right. I mean, that's not that's not a that's a customary practice. Yeah. yeah. To provide gratuity to concierge, especially if they were very um, resourceful and um, attentive. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of an interesting um, take. And, you know, again, right, Lorraine, I agree. Lorraine said she doesn't trust him yet. No, she doesn't. And she doesn't. And, you know, he placed that envelope on the steps and she held her thumb above the cell phone. And Acacia, being, you know, true to herself, said, you know, take the money with you. I don't want it. You know, mm-hmm. and Monica, yes, she said it looks like contraband. She, uh, Mon, Mon said she wouldn't be comfortable. No, and and, and Karen, Karen agrees. 
Mm-hmm. Karen agreed. She would have been very cautious and still regarding him um, about the money. Mon th- saying about possibly being illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you just don't know, right? You, and, and, you know, it's almost as like a scene out of a movie because, yes, I still think this should be made into a movie as well. <laughs> um, but I, you can totally visualize it, right? The big wad of, of bills in this envelope. Like, yeah, like my friend being, Suzanne's wedding party. <laughs> the, right, right. the inch thick envelope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Exactly. So, you know... Uh, and, and, you know, Breckman was like, I can tell, you know, it's like the battle of the wills, right? And he, he stood still. Whether you believe me or not, I didn't mean for you to be demoted. Quite the opposite. And, you know, at that point, uh, Monica says big screen. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. I, I just would love that. Um, Filmed he, in Paris. <laughs> yes, on site. On site. <laughs> and at that point, you know, I think she's had it. And she's like, you know, she said she's asked nicely a couple times and he keeps insisting. And then she's like, just get out. She runs up the stairs and completes her call. Um, and she kind of glances over the railing to see if anybody followed her. And uh, from below, she could hear quick footsteps and Breckman just cursing as he, he walks out of the building. And uh, she kind of glances to see um, and make sure that they exit the hallway through the back. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got out of there right before she talked to Luke um, and connected with him. And she ran into that door and slammed it shut. She wanted to be safely in. That's true. And KS is saying, has anyone listened to the audio book? Robertson Dean narrates it so well. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm on my third listen of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on my second listen. I have to say, I um, I really enjoyed the audiobook. Yes. I, I, I have to say, at the very beginning, I, I wasn't crazy about how Robertson was reading Pierre Breckman. Maybe the first chapter, there was something about it. I wasn't crazy about it. And I have to take another list. You know, I have to listen to it again. But I, getting into it, absolutely loved it. I loved his expression. Um, I love the emotion he brings to it. Mm-hmm. It's really, really well done. Is, so I agree well with done. you, KS. I, yeah, I just, I love it. I, and he he really can bring the anxiety level up. He, he can really help convey what, SR is written, and I think that's really cool. Karen says, not yet. Karen, you will enjoy it. <laughs> it is definitely worth In fact, Karen, I, I listened to it on my way to see you. That was when I was uh, listening to The Man in the Black Suit. Um, a big chunk of my time, I listened to many chapters on my way out to Greensburg um, when I got to visit with KK not too long ago. KS, OMG ladies, I've listened to it so many times. (laughs) I know, and I I can tell you, I already know there are certain chapters that you want to listen to over and over and over again. again. Am I right? That's right. (laughs) And uh, I have been on the New Jersey Turnpike again listening to it. So did not have any close call accidents at that point. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, certain chapters, certain scenes. Yes, yes. Uh, yes, and it can Lorraine, be a little bit distracting. 
And Lorraine has <laughs> not listened to it yet, but she's listening to Gabriel's Rapture right now. Which... Oh, and Lorraine, yes, yes, I love, I do love Morgan. Yeah, Morgan. I love, great. I love that. that. I'm actually listening to Gabriel's Redemption again, mm-hmm. um, and I just, I, I just can't get enough of it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Karen says nice, and then Kaya says sometimes you have to give it a few listens to get used to the narrator. <laughs> and then she goes, that "Yes, you are correct." Yeah, 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 I I really enjoyed. I thought um, I'm actually glad you mentioned that Kaya's because I did think Roberts and Dean was fantastic. Yeah, he was. And um, agreed, it <laughs> never gets old. <laughs> no, it doesn't. In fact, I'm, I'm, I have to, I have Friday, I have a road trip ahead of me to get the little one to bring her down for the weekend. But, um, yes. So I will be, I'm finishing up one book right now. Um, and then once that's finished, I can go back to start listening to it again. But only on my way back when I drop her off on Sunday. Because we're going to be listening to either Harry Potter or Matilda on the way back here. <laughs> Although, really good books to listen to, right? I mean, there could be, um, trust me, I used to listen to Barney on my commute with my two kids when at they were growing was, up. At least it wasn't Raffi constantly. On the- Barney the Purple Dinosaur. Yes, yes. For for. For pop culture reference for the uh, the Americans in the group, I don't know if Barney was an international phenomena or not. Well, the late the late <laughs> great Mr. Langworthy, God rest him, he had this thing. There's a there there's a uh, person in in the area in the U.S. Uh, that um, <laughs> uh, is. <laughs> I'm uh, just reading Lorraine's <laughs> comment. Yes. Lorraine, you feel my pain. OMG, she says, Barney was awful. And Monica says, yes, he was. I can sing all the songs, I'm just telling you. And I will not. (laughs) I will not sing them, but I could. You you know the Reverend Al Sharpton, he he does a lot of uh, uh, political stuff. Commentary. um, Commentary. Mm -hmm. And um, he's with the... Is it the Rainbow Action Network or something like that? Anyhow, <laughs> my husband I'm used sorry. to have this song, and with Barney, it was "I Love You, You Love Me," and so my husband added uh, the two of them singing, Barney and the Reverend Al singing together, "I Love You, You Love Me, Send Me Money, and I'll Be Free." <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> oh. oh, that's hilarious. And yes. Lorraine goes, now I have the damn cleanup song in my head. <laughs> she needs wine. And I did just heart that because, yes, <laughs> think about that every day, up and back on my morning and evening commute. It was nonstop. No, we, we for, had... There was a period of time it was nonstop. And Lori says, I think I can too, Leslie. Yeah. No, Patrick, <laughs> Patrick never listened watched Barney, thank God. And, uh, he, you know, Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street mm-hmm. were his big ones, but not Barney, thank well, yeah, I love Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street. And I'm very excited about Mr. Rogers being made into a uh, film portrayed uh, and having Tom Hanks portray Mr. Rogers. I I'm know, very excited that about that. So cool. that so cool. Yes. Well, I can't believe it's almost six o'clock. It is almost. It is. It's shocking. It's, um, it's wine time. 
it is wine time. I'm sorry I forced, I've kind of driven Lorraine to the bottle with my, <laughs> with my reference. <laughs> Chico, stop. <laughs> I used to sing, I hate you in my head. <laughs> oh my gosh, Lorraine, you were making me laugh so, <laughs> so hard today. Um, I know I'm trying to think of another song to get in our heads so we can uh, get that one out of our head. We the bus. <laughs> <laughs> now she needs a case. <laughs> we should send you a bottle, Lorraine. What do you like? <laughs> For putting you through this. Oh, my goodness. Too funny. It's going to be purple wine. <laughs> no, she's probably not. She's probably going with a white. She's like nothing remotely re reminding her. Uh, oh, my, oh my goodness. She okay. said anything red. Yes. Well, actually, I like a good red. I like all I like all different kinds of wines, actually. Um, so as we finish this uh, chapter 11, I can't believe we are heading into chapter 12 next week. I know. And uh, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Mm -hmm. The plot thickens. <laughs> I'm laughing too much. So I, I, we always, as you know, end the podcast with our kind of moment of thanks, our attitude of gratitude, our um, kind of reflections of the week. And I'm very happy to say the person who is making me laugh um, so hard this podcast actually submitted a really lovely um, affirmation today. Um, so thank you to Lorraine for sending this. Um, for those of you who haven't heard this before, um, the idea of doing this was just to help us remind each other of things that we're grateful for, things, it, it, it gives us a chance to pause and reflect, and it could be something very small, it could be something monumental, um, but Lorraine shared her SR affirmation today um, with us, and it's quite lovely. She said, even though we all have different beliefs, I am grateful that we can cast them aside and unite to talk about and share our love for SR's books. And I am thankful, Lorraine, I am very thankful for, that. for you to share that because I think it's a beautiful sentiment. And I feel like that's really the heart of our community. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's a lovely way to end uh, our podcast. Yes. So, so thank you for thank that. Thank you so much, Lorraine. Um, so we will be back on next Wednesday, 5 o'clock, and uh, we'll be going over Chapter 12 at that time. So everybody have a great night, great day, uh, if you're in the other side of the world, and uh, have a good rest of your week and weekend. I'm going to leave you with a little Miles Davis. Miles Davis runs the voodoo down. Enjoy, Ooh. enjoy and have a great night. Have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you next week and see you online. <laughs>